23rd Psalm is actually a synopsis of the, a year of life in a sheep. It starts, the year starts for the sheep at the barn, the home pasture, uh, down, uh, down near the still waters, down where the uh, lush uh, green pastures are. Then it proceeds, see, uh, up the up the through the uh, up through the paths of righteousness, up the rocky paths, headed down through the valley of the shadow of death, and finally by springtime, up into the tablelands for the summer. The summer they spend in the tablelands. It starts toward fall. They head back off the tablelands and back toward home. And at home is where the flock will winter. Then the next year they started all over again, this process of moving the herd. And so the valley of the shadow of death is right in the middle of the psalm. As it is in the middle uh, of the, uh, it's in the middle of course of the life cycle or the year cycle of sheep. Now, we dealt this morning with the table land. We made it. Spring came. Up the paths of righteousness, down through the valley of the shadow of death and into the table lands. And I told you that this was a picture of an advanced Christian living, living in victory, living in Canaan, if you will. Living above the snake line. Living, there's a lot of ways we could say it. Living, eating from this book. Oh, that snake line. I forgot to deal with it. You know, I told you how they'd pour that oil around the hole of them vipers. But you can get to certain fields that's high enough don't have no snakes. That's interesting, isn't it? Uh, have you ever noticed, you know, I remember when mom and dad had that house on Ogle Meadows. They didn't have snakes up there. It's too high for them. They didn't live up there. It's above what they call the snake line. And a few weeks ago, I was driving up through the valley, and I looked up toward Ogle Meadows, and it was snow-capped. And I thought, look, there's snow above the snake line. You know, life's not always easy above the snake line. Sometimes you get up on the mountaintop, and it's still tough. But boy, to be on the mountain with the shepherd. Amen. Anyway, we see how they got out on the tablelands. They're eating in the lush vegetation of the Word of God. As that sheep eats in that lush vegetation, I'm going to read my psalm here in a minute. But as that sheep eats in that lush vegetation, one day the shepherd will come walking by and call that sheep by name. And he'll take that sheep, just him and the sheep. And out of his bag, he'll pour a little cruise of oil and pour that oil into his hand. And he'll take that oil, put his hands on the sheep. Take that oil and put his hands on that sheep's head. Start massaging in that oil. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
Verse 2, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures, restoreth my soul. Maketh me to lie down in green pastures, leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake up through those righteous paths. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Here's our thought. Thou anointest my head with oil. Takes that oil and he rubs it in that sheep's head. Oh my, I'm already feeling the Holy Spirit. That all is a picture, is a picture of the Holy Ghost. It's a picture of the Holy Ghost. And if you want the all rubbed in on your head, that don't happen down at the barn. See, I told you there's advantages for getting out of the barn, getting up on the tableland. The head don't get anointed down at the barn. It's up in those advanced areas. It's up in that table land where the shepherd will draw you aside and anoint you with his spirit. <laughs> Good grief. Now watch this. I want to finish reading the psalm just so we can say we read it. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Note with me, if you will, that it's the head that gets anointed. Boy, there's something to that. We were dealing with it in our Bible study in men's class. We just got through the helmet of salvation. There's something about that head, Brother Marvin. It's the seat of our affections. It's where our thoughts come from. It's where our study of the Word of God come from. It's where our understanding and our self-awareness comes from. But maybe you'll agree with me right here. It's also where a lot of wickedness comes from. It's where a lot of problems start. Uh, we think our way into trouble. Boy, if, that, if, the, if the head and if the mind can be used both for good and for evil, probably pretty important we anoint that thing with the Holy Ghost. The mind. I used to say, if you've ever worked any in law enforcement, you know that there's a mental health crisis in America. Then I believe I could say, if you work with the public at this point, probably you would know that there's a mental health crisis. And now I believe I could say, if you're just alive and never go out of your house, you know there's a mental health crisis in America. Last Sunday... Me and the kids, we went to town to fill up, or maybe it's Thursday night. Anyway, we went to town to fill up the tank. And, you know, I'd got a little loan, and the, the, the banker had called and said, you're approved, go fill up the tank. <laughs> so I went to fill up the tank. I'll be making payments on it, but that's okay. Got to have gas. Went over to Fast Stop. It was the only place that had gas. It's not my preferred place to buy gas, but it was the only place that had gas. And so I went in fast stop and I stood in line. In front of me was a little white uh, fellow about this tall, had on a hat sideways, big earrings dangling down, and breeches that the belt caught him about the knees. 
I'm telling you, I, I'm like, why even wear pants? I was wondering, rather than walk like a penguin, I'd just not wear pants, wear me a long t-shirt and keep on trucking. But he had on a belt, struck him about, about the knees. He's standing in front of me and Reagan, and there's a line, and every time the line would move, tell me if I'm telling it right here, Reagan, he'd go. And I'd think, How, uh, what a weirdo. This girl gets in line behind us, and I look at her. And I'm not talking about Burnsville. I'm not talking about downtown Asheville. I look at her. She painted her face like a cat. You know, on Halloween, that's one thing, but, you know, it's March. She got her hair, got her face painted up like a cat. I'm like, I'm missing something. The fact is, the devil has battled people's minds. And he's come up, not with new tricks, but he's come up with new ways to bombard it, see. And it's the effects of a mind that has been battled. And what I'm going to tell you is that you and I who are saved... We still have a brain between our ears that the devil will attack. And so it becomes very important that we get out on the table lands and have the good shepherd rub the oil of his spirit on our heads to protect our minds. Oh, the mind is a powerful thing, indeed a dangerous thing. So I want to think about this anointing. Number one, I want you to think tonight about the area of anointing. So there's a couple of things that we can see with the anointing of the head. First, to anoint a head was customary in uh, Bible times as a symbol of being a special or honored guest. So in other words, you know, if, I, if this was my house and Billy came by, I'm not going to get that bald head really oily, but Billy came by, I'd anoint his head. It's like shaking hands and saying, welcome in. And he'd wear that fragrance. Two, three, four days, you'd smell it. And he'd remember the time that we had spent together and I'd anointed his head. As a matter of fact, in Luke 7... There's a lady that anoints the Lord's feet. And when Simon uh, finds a problem with it, he said, Thou anoint, you didn't anoint my head when I came in. I came in, but thou anointedest not my head, is what Jesus said. In other words, he said to Simon, Somehow, I'm no longer a special guest in your home. I'm not special enough that when I came in, you anointed me. But he's heading toward Calvary and somebody in the house thought he was pretty special and broke a box and took her hair and wiped his... Amen. So it was a symbol. Anointing the head was a symbol of being welcomed in and honored guests. But now here, it's not the sheep anointing the shepherd. It's the shepherd anointing the sheep. Now watch this, and this might make somebody shout. He's led us into this lush table lands, and 
is a grass and uh, nutrition beyond our belief and we're able to eat and enjoy that. But if that's not enough, he calls us aside, anoints our head and says, you're my special guest. Oh, church. He said, I've prepared for you a lush table land. And if you'll open it and read it, what he'll say is, I'm anointing your head. In other words, you're my special, you're my honored guest on my table lands. I want you to know you're my honored guest out in the table lands. Now, so there's that. There's the welcoming of a guest. But really, primarily, what I want to deal with tonight is the use of oil in doctoring the sheep. Doctoring the sheep. The oil was applied at, uh, as, as a medicine, as a, sometimes as a preventative. Listen to this. I read this today. The head, the head caused the majority of problems for the sheep. <laughs> oh, they come up sometimes with hoof problems or with belly problems, but about every problem, even their belly problems start in the head. It comes from what they eat. And so the head is the number one problem for the sheep. How many of you would agree with that tonight? I'll think my way into a lot of stuff. Ain't even real. <laughs> I think, what do they think, what do they mean by that? And I think, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? A lot of thinking goes on. And my head, my mind gets me into trouble. So the, the, the head is anointed here because it's an area that causes a lot of problems. And the oil is used, the oil is used for medicine sometimes as a preventative. So let's talk a little bit about the action of that oil. Several things it's used for, and this is really where I want to draw some attention First, it's used as a preventative of flies. Now, I'm going to gross Reagan out again here. She don't like worms. <laughs> it's better than spiders, though, I guess. Flies. They call them nasal flies. Can you imagine? Sometimes in the summertime, my old black dog, he'll lay in the yard, and I'll just sit there and look at him, and they just gnats swarming him. And I'm thinking, how does he stand that? I mean, I just, that drive me nuts. You know, just snats and flies. Well, them flies will swarm them, that sheep's nose and its snout. It's called nasal flies. And what they want to do is they want to get up inside the nose of the sheep and lay eggs. And then when them eggs hatch, the worms will climb up into the, the nasal cavity of that sheep. And it'll drive them nuts. It, and it itches and it buzzes and they can't do anything about it. And they say a sheep that's got nasal flies will, will act crazy, run, jump, tumble. Some will even beat their head against a tree until they kill themselves. They can't stand it. it it's just so annoying to them. It's a little bitty something, but it annoys them. So you know what the shepherd does? <laughs> he takes that oil. 
And sometimes he'll take it and make up a little paste out of his campfire. He'll make him up a little paste out of the campfire. I got too much, bless goodness. He'll make up a little, a little uh, paste out of the campfire. Make it real thick, kind of tarry. And he'll take that oil and he'll put it all over that sheep's head. Rub it up in that sheep's snout with that old tar in it. And you know what happens when that fly tries to land and get up inside that sheep's nose? It gets stuck. It can't climb up in there. What a shepherd. What a shepherd. How many of you would agree with me tonight that a lot of times it's not the great big things in life that really bother me. It's not the, it's not the major things of life that cause me trouble. It's them little old annoyances. It's them little everyday things that come up. It's them little flies that start to bother me. Start to climb up and start to drive me crazy. It's accumulations of a lot of little things. You say, how can I, how can I get rid of that? My mind is racing. My mind is full of all these problems. There's only one way. That's to have your mind anointed with the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's that anointing of the mind that makes a a crazy man sane. So it protects against flies. Those little things that come up in our life that are begin to be destructive. But then let me give you this. It's a treatment and a preventative for scab. Did you know it's called scab? It's probably the most common disease among sheep. They get scab. And here's what they do. Sheep are all the time rubbing their head up against another sheep. And they'll get scab, and by putting their heads together, one sheep will give another sheep scab. And then that sheep will give another sheep. As a matter of fact, when they say in the Bible that a sheep's got to be without blemish and without spot, the blemish they're talking about scab. And, and before you know it, the whole flock can get it. In order to prevent it from spreading, they take that oil and they put it on the head. Let me say this to you tonight. Some of the worst things for your mind is when you rub heads with somebody that's got the scab. That scab's a picture of sin. That scab's a picture of rebellion in life. And you take two sheep, one of them can be healthy spiritually, the other one can be infected. My friend out in sin got a rebellious attitude, and when one sheep rubs heads with the other sheep, before you know it, they both got the scabs. They've put their heads together, and they've come out with the scab. And the only way to prevent it is to allow the shepherd to take his hands and rub in the oil of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) So there's a preventative for flies. It's a treatment and a preventative for scab. But then it's also a protection during the rut. After it starts getting fall of the year, things really change on the the, uh, table ground because them old rams get romance on their mind. 
They get them big old necks. It's called the rut. And you know what they do? They begin to fight over women. Still probably the most commonly thing fought all over in the world. They begin to fight over the women. And if the shepherd's not careful, the rams will kill one another. Oh, it's another use for the oil. He'll take that oil and anoint those heads. And it's, it's quite comical. Them rams, when they go to butt heads together, them old slick, oiled up heads, they just slide off of one another. And leaves them rams standing there looking at one another just kind of, what was that? And for long, they don't even feel like fighting anymore when they can't get a good, a good head buddy and they don't even feel like fighting anymore. I'll tell you this, church. If I've got my head anointed with the Holy Spirit and you've got your head anointed with the Holy Spirit, what you'll find is we can't fight. <laughs> we might disagree. We might have a disagreement. We may not see eye to eye. But if I've got my head anointed with the Spirit and you've got your head anointed with the Spirit, we can't fight. It takes the fight out of us. So there's all these different reasons why the shepherd would take the time and anoint the head with oil. But the question becomes, how does this apply to my life? All right, let's think about it. When I preach things, I don't want to just be preaching to be preaching. Oh, anoint your head. That sounds good. Allow the, allow the, allow the shepherd to anoint your mind. Amen, preacher. Hallelujah. We're going to need help with the mind. We got to get our minds right. We got to protect our minds. All the problems come from the mind. Yeah, amen. All right, let's go to the house. Well, I didn't tell you how to get it anointed. We got to apply it where we live. So, how is it that I can take care of my mind? Because I got a problem with it. I got a problem with it. Y'all do too. Some of y'all got a bigger problem than others. But we all got a problem. We overthink. We overanalyze. Am I right? So there's a few things I want to point out. Let's we'll bring it right down real practical here. I'm going to give you some verses. Number one, you want the Holy Spirit to coat your mind and cover your mind. This is going to seem real simple. Ask him to. Ask him to. Is that simple? Ask him to. Have you ever prayed and said, Lord, would you anoint my mind, my conscious mind, and my subconscious mind, would you anoint it with the oil of your Holy Spirit today? Would you help me to think pure thoughts? Have you ever prayed that way? Have you ever got specific with God and said, God, I want to see the good in people today. I want to be thankful for things today. Would you anoint my heart? Would you anoint my mind and allow me to think pure thoughts and have pure thoughts? I want, to, I want the presence of the Holy Spirit to be real in my mind, Lord. Have you ever really got down and asked God for that? Now we can talk about how we're going to gird up the loins of our mind. How we're going to fix our mind. But if we don't ever ask Him to, how can we, how can we expect Him to do it? Oh, it ought to be a prayer object and on, every, on, the, on the top of everybody's prayer list in this church house tonight. Lord, help me have pure thoughts. Now, 
So there's asking him to. But let me give you this. If you want to have a pure mind, if you want to have an anointed mind, if you want to have a mind that has the Holy Spirit present and accounted for, the second thing you've got to do is you've got to take responsibility for what you think. Here's what people say. Well, I can't help what I think. You can. Let me show you. Y'all with me? Turn to Philippians 4. Give me Philippians 4 up here, Rachel. There's, there's an awful lot of cute kids in this building. It's hard for me to... <laughs> Philippians 4. Uh, I guess I better tell you the verse, huh? Philippians, what is it, 4.8? Yeah. Philippians 4.8. Look here. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just... Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, if you can't control your mind, if there's no way for you to control what you think, why would Paul have commanded the Philippians to think on those things? You see, it's obvious we can control our mind. But how do we live life, church? We live life by allowing our mind to control us, and that's the problem. We think haphazardly. We allow our mind to wonder. We allow our mind to lust. We allow our mind to think evil thoughts. And then we, we try to excuse it away saying, well, I can't help what I think. I've heard people say that in church services. I can't help what I think. Yes, you can. You've got to take responsibility for what you think. And when that thought starts running through your mind, you've got to say, oh no, I can't think like that. I'm not going to think like that. I'm in control here. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to anoint my mind so that I can think pure thoughts. I'm not going to think lustful thoughts. I'm not going to think evil thoughts. Boy, I'm preaching up against the wall tonight. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, we can control what goes on in our mind and we've got to take responsibility for it. You know, the problem with society, one of the largest problems is this. Nobody wants to take responsibility for nothing. The jailhouse is full of people that say, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault. And the church house is full of people saying, well, I just can't help it. I just think, I can't help what I think. Listen, what we need is some people that take responsibility and say, it's my mind. Who else is in control but me? And so we've got to take responsibility for what we think. Let me give you another one, how to have a Holy Spirit anointed mind. Let me give you another one, control the input. Control the input. How many of you think it'd be a good idea? In my, let me show you something that's going to give some of you a heart attack. Right now, in my Yahoo Mail, I have 152,881 unopened emails. You heard me right, 152,881 unopened emails. Some of y'all are like, oh, preacher. 
give me your phone. We got, we got to take care of this. Right now, I have 121 unopened text messages. That bothers some of y'all, don't it? Just don't open. How many of you would think it would be a good idea if I clicked on my Yahoo mail and went to scrolling down through here and every one of these crazy, you know, you get emails from, you know, who knows how they're selling your stuff. Here's one from Forteva, MasterCard, something. How many of you think it'd be a good idea for me just to click on all of them and open all the links? And just, just click on all of them and open all the links. How many of you ever got one of the messages on Facebook that says, is this you in that video? And I'm thinking, what a stupid person to click on that, you know, and then it sends out a virus to everybody. It's so stupid. But how many of you think it'd be a good idea for me to just click on? You know why that'd be a bad idea? Because if you put junk in, guess what you get? You get junk back out. You get, you get viruses. It, it all depends on what you allow in, right? And it's the same, your brain, it's like a big computer. If you allow junk in all the time, all you allow is junk in through your eyes and through your ears, then guess what? All you're going to get is junk out, junk out, junk out, junk out. And so if you want a mind that is anointed with the Holy Spirit, you got to control what comes in. We'll look at social media. We'll absorb and absorb and absorb. And we're allowing people that hate God and hate the church to plug right straight into our eyeballs and right straight into our ears, Brother Gary, and pump our minds full of filth and nonsense. Listen, I get these kids three hours a week. Out of the three hours I get them, they pay attention about 10 minutes of service. So about 30 minutes. The rest of the week, no wonder our brains and our minds, young and old, get so messed up. We've got to control the input. We've got to get to the place where we say, I can't look at that. I can't watch that. I don't need to listen to that. I've got to control my input. If I want to be on the tablelands and have the shepherd take the Holy Spirit and rub it on my head and have a spiritual mind, then I've got to control the input. Listen to this. You want a spiritual mind? Take your mind to Calvary. Look here, Philippians 2, 5. Oh, the book of Philippians. Give me Philippians 2, 5. There's a lot said about in the book of Philippians about the mind. Deals a lot with the mind in Philippians. And did you know what the theme of the book of Philippians is? It's the book of joy. It makes me think that our mind controls our joy. Look at this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So here's what Paul said. He said, have a mind like the Lord's. Think about things the way Jesus. Now I want to ask you a question. Do you feel like you think about things the way Jesus thinks about things? How do we do that? Give me that next verse. Verse 6. Who thought it not, oh, who being in the form of God, 
thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Give me that next one. But made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men one more. And being found in a fashion of a man, humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So here's what Paul said. He said, we want to have a mind of Christ. And then he immediately went to Calvary. How can I have an anointed mind? Well, when I'm walking through the grocery store and I see some scantily clad female and my mind wants to lust because I'm a red-blooded American male, when that starts to happen, I immediately say, oh, that ain't right. I'll take it to Calvary. Lord, you died for that sin. Lord, I'm so sorry. I, I, I shouldn't have even been, I, I, I can't think that way. Lord, I've got to have a mind like you right there in the grocery store. I'm praying this. Lord, I want to bring my, my thoughts to Calvary. I, want, I know that, that that thought is not right. And I want to crucify Immediately, you see, immediately. That's how you start to train your mind to think right. We all have trouble with it, right? You say, oh, preacher, not me. I can walk around, it don't matter what I say or what I do, I ain't tempted. Well, bless your heart. You probably ought to be teaching this, preaching this, not me. Get up here and tell us how you do that. Everybody I've ever met, there's something that turns their head, something that gets their attention, something that bothers them somehow. Everybody I ever met. But when it calls to us, Brother Neil, right. We just run to Calvary with it. When it calls to us, we say, Lord, that thought, I can't have that thought. I want, I want to crucify that thought. I want to put that thought on the cross, Lord. I want you to take that, cross, that thought, control my mind. You know what that is? That's taking that anointing oil. I'm about to run and shout of the Holy Spirit. And it's rubbing on that mind. And it's helping us put up guards. And it's helping us put up defenses. Hey, we all struggling. We all have problems. But there's a real and practical way to handle it. That'll help us with our minds. I need the anointing of the Holy Spirit on my mind. My mind wanders. My mind assumes things that hadn't ought to assume. My mind thinks things that hadn't ought to think. My mind sees things that ain't even there. Am I the only one? You know what we need? We need that Holy Spirit to anoint our minds. We need that Holy Spirit to anoint our minds. Let's stand together. Father, in Jesus' name, we're asking tonight, Lord, for that oil of the Holy Spirit. Lord, while we're on the tablelands, we want that oil of the Holy Spirit rubbed on our heads to protect our minds tonight. God, I pray, Lord, as I'm going to give an invitation that you'd move some sheep in this direction. Lord, that you'd help them to see a need, see a need for having their minds anointed with the Holy Spirit. God, some of our 
dear friends here in the church, all of us face things. Help us, Lord, as only you can. We'll thank you for all you do in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We're standing to our feet. Folks coming around the altar tonight asking the Lord for help. I'm glad, thank God, that he's got help. Oh, I need that anointing in my mind, Lord. I want to control my input. I want to control every, every thought I have, I want to run to Calvary with it. I need, that, my, I need my mind anointed so it don't run on me, Lord. Oh, my. How about others tonight? I, I'm fixing to pray. I believe the Lord's been doing some things around here during these services. How about some others tonight? Oh, I want to think with a mind like Jesus. I want to have that mind of Christ. I want to think about things the way the Lord does. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you tonight. Thank you for helping us this evening. Lord, this message, studying it, it helped me. Oh, so many things bombard the mind. So many things corrupt the mind. Lord, tonight I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to not be bombarded or corrupted. Lord, help us to anoint with the presence of the Spirit. God, I pray that you'd bless us to think with a heavenly mind, a mind like Christ. I pray that you'd touch each one that's come around the altar tonight for prayer. Lord, asking God... For a Holy Spirit-touched mind, I pray that you'd grant that in their lives. We'll thank you for all you do in Jesus' name.